Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Family Business Today, where every family business has a story to tell and a step to take to not only thrive, but working together, create a lasting family legacy. I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Dina Chachinov. Over the last 30 years, Dina has worked as a therapist, management consultant, and family enterprise advisor with people and organizations seeking meaningful change. Her rare skill set enables her to strengthen family businesses on a strategic level while ensuring that healthy interpersonal dynamics support a firm's continuity and prosperity. As a family facilitator, Dina works with multi-generational families who seek the tools and techniques to make smart decisions, manage conflict effectively, and develop strong, lasting relationships. She is based in Vancouver, Canada. Well, hello, Dina. Greg, such a pleasure to be with you here today. Well, thanks so much for joining me for this edition of Family Business Today. I've really been looking forward to hearing about your experience with advising and counseling family businesses. So a good place I always think to start is, tell us a little bit about your family business enterprise advising services. Well, my mission is to advise enterprising families to maintain and grow their relational health so they can increase their social impact and enjoy their financial wealth. And in trying to fulfill my mission, I spend a lot of time with families, helping them with succession planning, governance, family dynamics, leadership development, managing wealth for inheritors. And sometimes I act as sort of a quarterback within multidisciplinary advising teams. So it's a very varied practice. Oh, okay. Well, uh, well, everybody has a story. So what led you to consulting multi-generational family businesses? Thank you for that question. It's a really great one for me because I grew up in a family business. My parents were business partners and life partners. They started a small um, grocery, uh, not grocery, a small pharmacy chain in Winnipeg, Canada. And I learned about family business from the day I was born. Every single conversation around the dining room table, every evening was business talk. Hmm. So that sort of was part of my DNA. I decided not to uh, go into the family business and pursue another career. And I became a therapist, mostly with families and then also with individuals and couples. And then I also developed a skill set as a management consultant. So I lived in the personal world and the organizational world. And when I found out about the Family Enterprise Advising Program at the University of British Columbia here in Vancouver, I thought, what a great program for me to do. It's the natural marriage of the skills that I have under the Family Enterprise umbrella. Mm. Very good, very good. Well, you've you've already shared a little bit about your background, and so many uh, so many of us that are in the advisory business today have a story of having worked in our our family businesses and right. and take not only uh, our expertise and our skills, but also our own family stories and what's worked and what's uh, didn't work in that area there. So. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you found to be the most common leadership problems in a family business? Well, it's a very difficult thing to move family businesses forward if they don't have 
any kind of proactivity. And the biggest problems I've found um, are the lack of proactive and strategic planning and the ability to make decisions. Another piece is the sort of awareness and management of oneself and one's family system, because it's a very emotional environment, as you know. So that emotional and relational intelligence, navigating that within the family and the relationships, I think, is challenging. And dealing with conflict is always a problem. It's very tender. So a lot of families have trouble setting boundaries and creating good governance to allow them to work together and live together and love together in a way that is, you know, harmonious and healthy. So if they don't have those practices in place, like a good share, shareholders agreement or a code of conduct or business policies and processes, it can be very challenging for them to be effective as they work together. Yeah, yeah, very much so. That uh, having boundaries and, and dealing with conflict, yes, or um, mm -hmm. business is business and family is family. And, Never the two shall meet unless, of course, you work together in a family business. <laughs> so <laughs> building on that, though, what are the strengths and weaknesses of uh, family businesses over other type of businesses from a teamwork perspective? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Well, here's what I found, because I do work with non-family business teams, leadership teams as well. And so for me, working with family business allows for direct communication loyalty and commitment of the family to each other and by the way to their non-family employees in family enterprises what i notice is they treat everyone like family there is this familial um, energy that happens um, another uh, strength is quicker decision making in family enterprises mm. There is a gener generational time frame, so more security for members of the family to stay over time. And I think those are wonderful strengths. However, there are, there are some challenges or weaknesses. There's that constant push-pull between entitlement and responsibility. So kids are offered work because they're in the family, not necessarily because they want to work there or they're qualified to work there. Often there are intergenerational differences between you know, the parents and the kids, the parents and the grandparents, and those are, are challenging. There's a resistance to change that I have noticed in many founders who are unable to make the changes necessary and let go of their role to allow someone in their family in a rising generation to succeed them. There's a lack of clear roles and boundaries and frameworks. There's conflict, as you said. But what I think is in relationship orientation of family businesses, that can be a plus and a minus. It's sort of like the glue that holds the family together, but it can also be the sword that cuts the family apart. Mm, very good. Well, well, uh, if you could maybe just a, dig a little bit deeper on this, we, we know that, that parents, uh, whether they're in a family business or not, they want to treat their children equally mm -hmm. uh, and, and not necessarily mm -hmm. fairly. 
and it's even more so when they're involved or not involved in the family business. So what what is some of the resistance to change uh, on this whole entitlement versus responsibility that you talked about? Um, it's complicated because uh, you can't ask a, f a family member to be objective. It's very, you can, but it's really challenging to ask a parent to be objective about the skills and talents and abilities of their children. And so parents love their children. They want them all to be well, and they feel often like they're pulled into two separate directions. And so how do you support children to own their responsibilities as adults, to make their way in the world, to be responsible, to be accountable? But you can't ignore the fact that they are members of the family business and they do have certain entitlements. So one of the things we talk about is being very clear about their roles and responsibilities and their leadership development, and they have to show up for those things. And of course, there are going to be certain entitlements, but are they within the realm of realistic you know, perspective? Do what, what can we do to allow the children to own their adulthood and their sense of responsibility all the while knowing that they do get certain kinds of perks because they're part of the family enterprise. Very much so. Yes, it is a it is a challenge. Well, is it important for family to keep their home life and their work life separate in a family business? Yeah, this is a very important thing. This is the essence of my work. I don't know how you can, because we're humans, not machines. But what we can do is be really clear about what hat we're wearing when and how to behave in accordance with that, with that clarity and that role. We talk about the three circles in family business, of course, and there are these overlaps where between the family circle, the business circle, and the ownership circle, and it can be fuzzy and unclear. And that's why I believe that if we are clear around the values, the rules, and the laws that govern our lives as members of family businesses, I believe that we can have success at work and harmony at home being the exact same person. And, you know, the antidote to these splits between us, between ourselves, is, I think, whole and integrated leadership. Because once we talk about the compartmentalization of our roles, then it becomes a split with ourselves. And I think that's dangerous. I want this separation of selves philosophy where we split off from all aspects of ourselves to just go away. And it doesn't mean that we can't have nice, clean boundaries, but we're still who we are, whether we're a son or a um, a co-owner or an employee. And it's about sort of understanding where we are when we're there, but not losing our essential wholeness and integrate all parts of ourselves. And I, I think that it's just impossible to make those splits of compartmentalization. And I also don't think that it's psychologically healthy for people to only show up as 
a worker or a family member or an owner, I think that we bring all of ourselves to the party. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to divide, but uh, I, I, I sometimes use uh, uh, as a comparison is, is I have a hat that says boss on it, another hat that says dad on it, or it could yeah. say mom, mom on it. And right. uh, we'll actually give it to parents when their children who work in the business says, now, did you hear your, your dad speaking or did you hear your mm-hmm. boss speaking and mm-hmm. really working toward this communications Mm-hmm. is so essential and not only in the speaking but also in the hearing. Well, you know, I in my book I talk about the qualities of leadership. And I think that those qualities have for me in my 30 years of experience, they have really shown up in the leaders that I've worked with in all domains. So in business, in family business, in family therapy. And I think that if you show up with these qualities of resilience and discernment and presence and collaboration and compassion and courage, and if you have a sense of yourself and the system you work within, then that integration of your qualities of leadership can be very helpful no matter what hat you're wearing. Yes, yes. Well, let's let's move on a little bit uh, into this whole uh, transitioning process. Uh, I know in the United States, the Small Business Administration says that over 50% of business owners are considering transitioning their business in the next five years. And the primary reason for failure is a lack of planning. Why, why do you think family business owners put off planning a transition until it may be too late? Mm-hmm. Well, I think fear and resistance of letting go is the primary reason. I think that a lot of business owners have a very strong identity tied up in their role as owner and founder and leader and CEO. And I think that that is a big reason why people put it off because they can't imagine their lives without their businesses. Another reason I think that I've certainly come across is you know something that you touched on earlier is people cannot choose between children. And if they don't have any any processes in place to determine the skills and the competencies and the values required for leadership, then they don't have anything to, no foundation in which to be able to make those choices. I think that um, there's a lot of time, effort, and money that goes into designing and implementing a thoughtful, formal succession planning process. And I don't think a lot of people actually take the time because they think it'll just all work out. And you and I know that that's rarely how it goes. Um, You know, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. If you don't have proper planning, you can't really make it to the third generation. And I also think that when you need, when you, when you wait too long, there's not enough time to prepare the CEO, develop the successor, prepare the family, make sure the business is ready for it and prepare the ownership team. So I think fear and resistance to change are strong driving forces that don't give people enough time to get it done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other part too to that is, is they, they, they're working in their business uh, mm-hmm. uh, so much is uh, they, that they're very good at what they do. But uh, this transition may be 
well, it will be the only one that they they do in their career. So they're not experts at it, and it does uh, create uh, stress uh, of the unknown or whatever. Well, we're hearing a lot about the great resignation where mm -hmm. people are leaving the workforce in droves, whether it be the pandemic or mm -hmm. uh, working isolated or, or businesses starting to really to boom again and, and you know, don't know whether I want to, to, to do it again, so to speak, as a business owner. But we say that the transition planning is a process and not an event. Any yes. thoughts you would like to offer family business owners who may be dealing with stress and considering resigning from their business? Sure. I mean, who isn't dealing with stress right now? <laughs> yeah. um, so when I work with folks who are unsure about their future and whether they are willing to transition out or stay in. I asked them to do an exercise to determine if their family business mission, vision, and values are still in alignment with their personal ones. You know, is there a fit? And if there isn't, what can they do to fill in those gaps, if anything? Because sometimes the right thing to do is to leave. But not always. I think there's a huge amount of reflection that needs to go in. You know, what practices are people willing to commit to that would allow them to build their emotional, psychological, spiritual resilience hmm. in order to manage their mental health and decrease their stress responses? You know, as I asked them who is in their family business orbit that can take on some of the burden that is causing them so much stress. What is their need to hold on to all the control about? You know, what are some simple structures, tools, and practices that will allow them to delegate and or empower others to take on responsibilities and share accountability with them. What are the obstacles, the psychological, emotional obstacles getting in their way where they feel that I can't take it anymore. I'm so stressed. I just have to let it go. I think there's a lot of work that can be done um, on a psychological and emotional level to support business owners, especially family business owners, to become stronger and more resilient. And I think all of us need to figure out how to do that these days. So Dana, can you share a story of a multi-generational transition that really stands out to you, either because it went so well or because it went so poorly? <laughs> Yeah, well, I've got stories about both, but I did want to focus on the positive. Yeah. I talk about I talk about the story in my in my book. So I call them the three retirement reluctant brothers, and they were in their seventies, and they had taken over the family farm from their parents, and really grew it and turned into property owners and developers and food producers, and they had this massive business very successful all of them from the three branches had kids I, I say kids loosely because they were all in their 50s who had grown up in the business learned the business and were absolutely ready and willing to take over and these three brothers were incredibly challenged around moving on they knew it was the right thing to do hmm. but they just couldn't do it and one of them I was brought into the family um at that time to work with the brothers and basically be their 
safe container mm -hmm. to work out what it was that was getting in their way. What were those obstacles that needed to be removed? And of course, it had to do with their entire identity. What will I be if I am not here? Who will I be if I am not the leader of this company, the co-leader of this company? And what we learned together was that change is an event. It's external, it's a situation, and it's usually quite quick. Transition, on the other hand, is a very internal, gradual, psychological, and emotional process of, of developing a new identity and letting go. And so I worked with them individually and as a group to move through the phases of transition, which I um, um, learned and practiced based on the teachings of William Bridges, who is my transition management guru. He wrote a lot of really great books about this. And the three phases are endings, the neutral zone, and the new beginning. And the theory goes, and the practice too, is that people need a way to say goodbye and let go and have closure in order for them to move into this time of transition, which is characterized sort of this time of confusion and chaos and no man's land, but also a time of creativity until they can really let go of the old and take on a new beginning, like a fresh start. So with each of these gentlemen, they figured out what they could do to ritualize the ending, to allow the kids to take over. And they, rituals are really powerful. And they had all these awards and photographs and, and articles about them. And they had a photographer come in and take photos and they turned it into a beautiful book. And they built um, this case for it to be housed in the office that they had spent every day for, I don't know, 40 years having coffee and working together in. They found a new place to go to meet every day because they couldn't let go of that connection nor, nor did they have to. And they decided that they couldn't completely leave the business. So we figured out a way for them to be the mentors and coaches for each of the kids that were taking over their specific role. And so they did not have to completely disown themselves from this company that was their life. Um, they became the coaches and um, offered all their expertise, their relationships, their skills and their abilities to the next generation. So they kept a connection with the business. They stayed on the board, but they were definitely not there in the operations of the day-to-day -day, um, right. holdings. And then they, one of them decided he wanted to be a great golfer and needed more time for that. One decided to join a cycling group. The other decided that he wanted to be a grandfather caregiver with his grandkids, you know, a couple of days a week. And then slowly they transitioned from their role as owners to their role as community members. They started doing volunteer work and joining boards. And then a couple of years later, they said, listen, let's give back to our community. They were men of wealth and they started a family foundation and they took all their skills and owning this, the business and learning how to work with people and developing great, great products. And they developed 
they became students of philanthropy and they developed a great and very worthwhile uh, family foundation. Now that's a really good story. I like yeah. to focus yeah. on. I like to focus on the positive. Well, sure, well, sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> I know we uh, we say um, uh, don't retire, but refire. So it's nice. so important, uh, really, for founders and even the now generation to really. Uh, uh, retirement doesn't have to be misery. It can be joy, uh, either philanthropically or mm -hmm. through a family foundation, or, or but something that they really uh, want to do. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. Well, you've mentioned uh, your new book, uh, Homework: mm -hmm. How to Be a Leader in the Boardroom and the Living Room. Can you tell us about your motivation to write the book? Sure. Well. Um... I have had 30 years of experience working with families, individuals, couples, organizations that are not-for-profits, public and private sector, and family enterprises. And I thought I would like to share what I've learned from my clients and how I've been able to have a positive impact on them in some kind of ways. And you know, I sort of describe it as I help small struggling families and large struggling families because I see every organization as a system of people interrelating with each other. So whether it's a family or a business or a family business, and I want to share what I've learned uh, so that the readers might be able to um, learn some tools and some techniques. I'm somebody who is of service, you know, I want to be of service. And if I can share what I've learned and it can be helpful to others, I would be honored to be in that position. Well, that, that's it's obvious that you have a very much of a servant heart. So uh, thank mm -hmm. you for, for putting that down in writing and uh, for, for your readers and our listeners uh, to hear about. Well, just, oh, one idea that you stress in, in your book is showing up whole in both home and work. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means for a family business owner? Yeah. So I talk about the how of leadership and the what of leadership. So I describe the qualities that a leader of a family business can cultivate and the practices of what the leader can do in terms of the lessons they can take to allow for authenticity and clarity within the family business and ownership circles. And so I really do believe that if you show up as whole of who you are without holding back, and this authenticity will allow for greater connection in the relationships that I think are so critical for family businesses to thrive within. Hmm. And, and that it's not just about the work you do, it's, but it's about the way you interact with other people and the building of connections. I honestly believe, Greg, that all leaders of family business, regardless of the industry, are actually in the relationship business. Mm. And so I lay out sort of a roadmap of if you're going to be um, a leader, you need to have certain qualities 
and I lay out the eight qualities that I think are most important based on what I've learned from 30 years of clients. So I didn't I didn't do a Google search of leadership <laughs> qualities. Right. I actually paid attention, which is my job. I listen for a living and I paid attention to who was really showing up as a leader a great leader and the qualities that they were cultivating and using with their followers. And I thematically, I listened and I put them into eight. I, I came up with the top eight. And then I did the same thing for the lessons. And I really believe that if a leader and their organization has a strong set of values, mission, vision, has a strategy to move forward with the company and the family harmoniously to be successful, has good governance, can manage change that's always hitting them all over the place, can be a relationship leader and is really focused on building continuity and a lasting legacy, I think that that's pretty, pretty much all they need. Very good. Well, thanks for sharing that. We're looking forward uh, to reading more about, about that here in the future. Well, uh, we're sort of coming to the end of our time together. What does the future look like for Dina? Well, I'm a practitioner and this uh, journey into writing a book was a real, um, well, it just took me outside of my comfort zone. So I'm really excited about taking this book and leveraging the learnings from it in my work, in my future work with clients. Um, I'm really interested in sharing my thoughts around families and businesses and leadership with um, more groups of people rather than individually with clients. So I'll hope to see that um, experience unfold for me. And again, I am still wanting to be of service for as long as I can to as many clients as I can reach. Good. That's, 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 uh, it's all about service. And I can tell that you, that you have a very servant heart, but what are some closing thoughts you would like to share with our mm -hmm. listeners today? Well, Greg, I believe that the two hardest jobs in the world are leading teams and raising children. And to do those jobs well, I'm committed to supporting parents and presidents and partners to manage their mental health by staying resilient. You know, I want um, everyone to be well. I want them to be successful at work and, and have harmony at home. And I think that it's really important for leaders to be courageous in dealing with those inevitable family conflicts and always remember that we are part of a system composed of people who are connected in special ways that mutually affect one another. And I want families to not just be in survival mode, but going from survival to living to thriving. Oh, well, that's a great, great uh, closing thoughts there. It's something we could all live by. Well, Dina, thank you for being my guest on Family Business Today. Please accept our best wishes for continued success uh, for you, for your business, and for your book. Oh. You can find Dina's uh, book, Homework, How to Be a Leader in the Boardroom and the Living Room at Amazon.com. And to learn more about Dina and her business, visit 
uh, www.dinachachanoff.com. That's D-E-E-N-A-C-H-O-C-H-I-N-O-V.com. Greg, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on as your guest. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and working together create a lasting family legacy. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you are wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business advisor about your specific family business needs, schedule a 30-minute no-cost call by sending us email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. So until next time, thanks for joining us.